Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to The World in 10, where every day we bring you the Times of London's unique insight on what's going on around the world. I'm Rebecca Myers. And I'm Eleanor Shearwood. Today, we'll give you the latest updates on Pakistan and ask just how much you'd pay for a writer's retreat. But let's begin today by talking about the biggest story of the day. It's Donald Trump. Let's start with the basics. A jury's found Donald Trump sexually abused a journalist and then defamed her by branding her a liar back in the 1990s. Now, this was a civil case and the former US president was cleared of rape. But E. Jean Carroll's been awarded almost five million dollars for assault and defamation. Now, Trump has described the verdict as a disgrace and his team have promised to appeal the verdict. But this isn't the first Trump court scenario to make headlines in recent months, nor the first we've covered on this podcast. But what does it mean for the former president who is looking to make a comeback? Well, exactly. And The Times has been analysing what this means for his presidential bid. David Charters, The Times US editor, he compared it to the Access Hollywood tape, which nearly ruined his 2016 campaign. That was when Trump was using quite crude terms to describe his seduction technique. He was able to get over it by suggesting, with a lot of backup from Republican supporters, that it was just locker room talk, it was just banter. But what's happened now is that a jury has decided that he went a lot further than just banter. And we've got to see if Republicans, women, but also men, of course, whether they it turns enough of them off to wreck what is at the moment a bandwagon that's rolling for Trump. I mean, he's miles in the lead and seemed to be heading for the nomination and a, th- and a third go at the presidency. Yes, it's certainly interesting to see how this is going to play out. And David mentions in his article as well that for the most part, nothing Trump does can put off that core base of supporters or nothing has so far. And they think that an attack on him is is a conspiracy and also a conspiracy against them as well. But as he says, female voters are a slightly different story. And this isn't the only court case he's going to be facing. We've got several coming up, which are really serious. The election interference in the state of Georgia in the 2020 election, trying to find the votes, put pressure on the officials there. Uh, The retention of official secret documents and, of course, his role in the January the 6th riot in 2021. All of them are criminal cases, which could conceivably carry a jail sentence uh, if he's found guilty. But none of that would prevent him from running for president in America. You can still run from a jail cell. And Trump probably would. All of these legal problems would sink any other candidate. But Trump's defied predictions before, and it doesn't look likely that he's going to give up the fight.
On the podcast yesterday, we ended our update on the Imran Khan case by telling you that his party had called for nationwide protests against his arrest. And that's exactly what's happened. The demonstrations, which you can hear now, have turned violent. At least two people have died, with more than a 1,000 others arrested. And that figure is likely to have gone up since we recorded this podcast. Police have been firing tear gas at protesters who've been throwing stones and setting cars alight. Yeah, there's been a huge escalation of political tensions there. Khan's now been indicted by a court. Well, he says the charges against him are politically motivated because he was ousted from power last year and thinks his opponents are trying to stop him getting back in at the next general election. A criminal conviction would disqualify him from standing. Yes, and it wouldn't be their first attempt at that either. The situation has accelerated so quickly and caused widespread alarm around the world. Here in the UK, our Prime Minister has said he's watching the situation closely. But it's you know, a, a time to wonder how far this is going to escalate. What are the next steps? And is a resolution at all likely? And those are the exact questions I asked the Times foreign correspondent Charlie Faulkner, who says it's impossible to predict. But we do know that the army is being deployed Certainly in Punjab, the the country's most populous province, it's also where Imran Khan's residence is uh, and it's where many protesters are currently gathered outside of uh, following his arrest yesterday. We've also just heard that Mr Khan is going to be held in custody for eight days from today for further questioning. We've also got the march on Islamabad, so I imagine that we are going to see further violence, further clashes with police. I guess the big question really as well is what response can we expect from the Pakistani government? How much of an intervention are we going to see from the military? But at the moment we just have to kind of wait and see how the rest of the events unfold. It's more than likely that when reading about or hearing about the war in Ukraine, you will have heard of the Wagner Group. They've played a key part in Russia's invasion and are currently leading attempts to take the eastern town of Bakhmut, which has become a focus for both sides. Yeah, this involvement really hasn't gone unnoticed and the Times has been told that here in the UK, it's going to become a criminal offence to belong to the group. In official terms, the Wagner Group is going to be formally proscribed as a terrorist organisation. And this is so important because it puts Wagner alongside groups like Islamic State, Al-Qaeda on that list. And in practice, it would mean it's illegal to belong to the group, encourage support for it or carry its logo in public. And making it illegal to support the group would mean massive financial implications for it as well. But that's not all. Jason McHugh initiated the first lawsuit against the Wagner Mercenary Company. He's a senior partner at McHugh Jury and Partners and told us what he thinks the most important consequence of this will be. Remember, they recruit soldiers. A lot of those very same soldiers fought in armies around the world against terrorism. They don't want to go home to their wives and say they're part of a terrorist organisation. Also remember, as a mercenary group which has raped and pillaged Africa, propping up dictators, the dictator will think twice now about connecting and funding and paying for Wagner as a terrorist group, uh, not least because they won't be able to come to London and do their Christmas shopping. (laughs) 
Our next story is a bit of an end of an era. The last man standing from arguably the greatest football side ever seen is finally leaving FC Barcelona and could be moving stateside. Barcelona captain Sergio Busquets has won three Champions League titles with the club and is on course for a ninth Spanish League title win with them this season. Busquets was a key member of Pep Guardiola's celebrated side, which beat Manchester United in two European finals in 2009 and 2011. The 34-year-old defensive midfielder has been linked with a move to David Beckham's Inter Miami in MLS. I'm joined now by assistant foreign editor Gemma Fox. What stories are you working on at the moment? We'll have a piece from New York on George Santos, the infamous New York congressman, um, who has been charged with defrauding his supporters. It says, apparently, according to the 13-count indictment, he encouraged his supporters to donate money under the false pretense that it'd be going to his campaign. But actually, it went to buying luxury designer clothes, flights, and even paying off his credit cards. And also from North Korea, schools are using Disney's Frozen to teach their students English phrases such as, can you build a snowman? And so we'll be looking at how North Korea has a very contradictory attitude towards Western popular culture. Did you know, for example, not only is Kim Jong-un a huge fan of Disney, but his older brother loves a bit of Eric Clapton. Okay, now this might be the ultimate writer's retreat. A whole island complete with, ready, a 25-room hotel, a pub and a helipad. And to top it all off, it inspired Agatha Christie to write one of her most famous novels. And it could be yours for a mere 15 million quid, complete with the famous whodunit writer's beach house as well. Wow, a bargain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only 15 million. Only 15 million. I'm sure we can club together and sort it out. Absolutely. Um, so this is Berg Island. It's off the south coast of Devon and it inspired the novel And Then There Were None, a mystery in which 10 guests arrive at a remote mansion in Devon to find there's a killer in their midst. And when the tide is in on the actual island, you are cut off from the mainland. So would that put you off, Eleanor? Do you know what? Thinking about it, I reckon it would be a great excuse not to go into work. <laughs> Is <laughs> is the ultimate excuse probably, Absolutely. and surely you'd get a lot of writing done if you literally can't even go to the shops. But Very productive. Only one way to find out. <laughs> <laughs> now that's all for today. Thank you so much for joining us. And don't forget, if you enjoyed the journalism you heard on this podcast, you can take out a digital subscription to the Times of London. 